0: Hello! Welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Today, we have a returning guest. Megan Ranks is with us. You might know her from her podcast, Don't Blame Me, from her YouTube channel, or maybe you've read her new book, You're Not Special. We talk about all of those things. Megan's so lovely to talk to. We uh, get into the trials and tribulations she had writing her book, which is fascinating and There were lots of trials, lots of tribulations. We also talk about the recent YouTube drama she went through, uh, where her channel had been hacked, and how difficult it was to get any course of action from the people at the top on YouTube. And I think it's a really helpful conversation for people that might be experiencing that in the social media world or have the potential to experience something like that. She's got a great insight on all the hardships that she endured, um, all while maintaining An optimistic sarcastic layer of comedy through it all so enjoy this episode of not too deep with megan ranks and go read that book you're not special how uplifting is that hell yeah megan ranks back on not too deep welcome back Woo-woo! Thanks Um, for having me. Of course. Of the many things that you do, this time around,
1: you get to add author to that list. That's so exciting. I am currently uh, rubbing it in my boyfriend Mats' face every day. I'm like, what's it like to date an author? I'm like, what's it like? (laughs) And he was a creative writing major in college, so I'm like, do you feel, like, inadequate? Like, you have a whole degree, and, like, I didn't even go to college. (laughs) I'm just being an asshole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it, it
1: comes with the territory
0: now. But OK, uh, I've heard so much from Melissa about the book writing experience process. A lot of it. I want to hear from you because this has been years in oh, yeah, every book is, you know, years in the making, obviously. But I feel like you've had quite a roller coaster in getting this product, which is now officially out in mm-hmm. people's hands. Take us through the roller coaster of the journey of this book.
1: Oh, I mean, a roller coaster is a great way to describe it. Um, yeah. It's funny because I started. I always knew I wanted to write a book, so mm-hmm. I had told my agents really early on, and so I was lucky. So a lot of people are like, "How do you sell a book?" And I'm like, "I have no fucking idea." Like, right. I like, I I got to, we got to I got to be one of those lucky people who gets like approached for it. But mm-hmm. um, it literally what I went through two publishers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went through giving back my first advance to then finding a new publisher and doing all of it essentially all over again. Wow. Was insane. And that's the stuff that took like the longest. Like I think, I mean, it definitely took me a while to like write and edit, but, uh, the stuff that was the absolute longest process was me being a complete and total hard ass and being like, no, I don't agree with any of this. I'm not doing it. Throwing a tantrum. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually getting my way. So moral of the story, if you complain enough, they will cave in. But I think that
0: that's really important to recognize that like something fell off, something didn't feel right. And because a book I feel like is sometimes way more intimate than like a video that you post or a podcast that you post that to have any sense of the, it not feeling right. And being able to like speak up in the moment of that and talk to people, especially that are professionals that have been, you know, doing this longer than you have. It's hard to, uh, for me as someone that doesn't like confrontation in any capacity, it's hard to recognize that it's okay to like, say no to something. I mean, for you, was that a crazy process to be like, I'm actually gonna walk away and move and shift over somewhere new?
1: So I'm the opposite. I love confrontation. It is my drug. (laughs) I fucking live for it. I love it. I'm going to
0: outsource any, like, issues that I have to you as my new publicist to handle for me. I
1: will do it. I like confrontation when I'm in the driver's seat. And, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not a kind of person, like, I'm never going to stand my ground unless I'm 100% sure on something. Because, like, Mm -hmm. my track record is, like, 100%. Because I will not dig my heels in if I'm even a little bit unsure. I'm like, no, I... I'm going to be so hardcore about it. I'm really lucky that I've had, like, the same manager forever. And so Mm -hmm. her and I are really close. And so a lot of the stuff was, like, getting filtered through her. And she knew I was, like, really upset and uncomfortable. But it's exactly what you said, where it was the book is so vulnerable and writing a book is so vulnerable in general. My whole point was, like, I don't feel safe. Like, I don't feel fucking safe in your hands to, like, go out and do a book tour and, like, present this whole thing as, like, this is me this is great like this is something that I'm so fucking proud of and I was so not and my passive-aggressive ass I literally forgot about this until I was like cleaning up my computer I then um because it's a very uh giving back your book advancement's not like a thing (laughs) like that's not right really a thing that people do and everybody discouraged me like even my team who like I love and we've talked about it since Mm -hmm. but when you know when you write a book you're spending so much one on like more one-on-one time with your publisher than everybody else is so you really know versus like like word of mouth to telling them um and I just got to this petty ass fucking point where I just I edited the book down from like it was like 350 pages Mm -hmm. I edited it down to 30 of all of the most like surface level nothing deep nothing intense and then I edited everything to have like a happy ending because that's what they wanted, even though it wasn't like real. And then I also like, they didn't like the name. So then I combined every, they gave me a list of 30 names, which were all awful. And then I combined all of them. And uh-huh. then I made that the new title page. And then I said a book about Megan Rinks. And wow. I, they never received it. I sent it to my manager and she goes, message received loud and clear. <laughs> we will give the book advance back. She was like, I can't send this to them. And I was like, well, this is what I would publish. Wow.
0: I mean, yeah, that sometimes you really have to present things in a dramatic way for people to understand where you're coming from because, you know, business side of stuff, people don't have the emotional investment that you have in the work itself. So, you have to kind of shake people sometimes and be like this this is my f- this is how I'm feeling about mm-hmm. it. Um, for, well, on a more broad level how do you describe the book to people
1: I describe it as like a if your best friend wrote a self-help book who like dropped out of college and like doesn't have a psychology degree so it's like not necessarily the best advice you'd ever get but it it really is honestly like the inspiration for my podcast was based off of this so it's, it's giving advice but all of the advice is qualified by Oh, God, my hair. Like, look, listen to this funny story that happened to me or, like, right. listen to, like, my own personal experience with this and then I'm kind of giving you advice through it. So I have had people who are like, it's a sort of memoir. Is any part fiction? I go, no, I mean, it's not, like, a real memoir because, like, I haven't, like, done anything, like, that right. like, revolutionary. <laughs> so, like, that's why it's a sort of memoir because, like, I am not that confident. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it very much from... I mean, I obviously can't like read it as someone who's not me, but from what I've heard from everybody else, it literally just sounds like me and it sounds like you're talking to a friend, which I think is a much more approachable take to self-help because... I I'm like there are like professionals and people with PhDs that I like definitely Mm -hmm. like want you know like drawing I don't know like giving me anesthesia and like all of that stuff like but then there's some times where I'm like this is like you went to school for all of these years and this is everything you learned and I'm supposed to learn it in like 300 pages like I don't think that's gonna be valid for me so it's a it's a little a mix of of uh of memoir and then self-help
0: cool and so on a level from like completely not personal to like uh, airing out every piece of dirty laundry you have, where does the intimacy fall in um, the book?
1: I would say that I probably have two pieces of dirty laundry left. That's it. Wow. I would say that I only have probably, yeah, like two. I mean, it's it it gets very personal, but to to like a constructive point point. and mm-hmm. I think that's something that I'm glad that it's coming out when I'm a little bit older like I'm only 26 right. but like when I first started writing it I was like 22 right and there's a lot of like anger and you're fucking pissed and like you're getting your feelings all out and I was like okay this is like a journal and like you need to simmer <laughs> it down and like come up with like something constructive for people to take away from the story right. so I think it it's a it doesn't, I hope it doesn't feel as much like word vomit as it does of like, oh, look at these things that I've been through and like, this is how I've processed. Right. It. But it's personal. That's good. I mean, cause I think that's, at least for me, when I first
0: discovered you online through your whole, you know, um, the, uh, cosmetic surgery the journey, nose job. the nose job, for, um, I, it's so fascinating because you were so transparent about everything and just like the gross, Day in and day out of like, this is what happens when you get a nose job, Um, unapologetically in a way. And so there is, I think for your audience, a super fascination with like the life you've you've led and to know that you've done so much work on yourself personally to be able to, like you said, have processed all these things and come out with like an understanding to present to people rather than like, here's some crazy shit that happened to me. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) But instead being like, that was crazy. But here's like the things, the major takeaways that can probably affect your life differently. Uh, Did you have, um, did you talk to your family throughout the creative process of it?
1: no um so the I think that's the thing that everybody I mean literally everyone from my like fucking hometown was like I bought the book and I skipped straight to the chapter about your parents and I'm like (laughs) you like bitch you know me like why like you know this story and it's like no I just like wanted to see like what version was in the book (laughs) um so yeah I mean it's I I start the chapter about my parents and so I would say so that's the chapter that everybody I would say is like the was the most Wanting to hear because it mm-hmm. went from like, especially like you said, the no job videos, like you were seeing all of my life and like my family in it. And then it kind of went radio silent and people right. had a lot of questions. And I think people who watched my videos regularly could also see that I really pulled back from my personal life. So like I started dating my boyfriend Mott around that same time. I didn't mm-hmm. show him on camera for a year. Didn't show my parents on camera. Wasn't showing my friends on camera. Like everything was like so People like, before had seen me be like so personal and then really take a step back. So I think everyone was like, what's it going to be? Um, right. But... Yeah, you, basically
0: you took a curtain and you went close yeah. and everyone's like, wait, what's behind the curtain now? Why is the curtain closed? And the, I'm sure the amount of assumptions that happened from everyone based off of that must have been so overwhelming.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was really, really, really hard when I when it, like, first kind of started and, like, I was, like, pulling everything back because it was, like, you know, a way fresher kind of wound and I was, like, still processing all of it. Mm -hmm. And I am so glad that, like, the book has come out and that chapter specifically has come out when I'm in such a different fucking headspace and, like, so... Like, you, I'm just, I'm removed from it in a way that I think is so much more productive for mm. people to read. Um, but, yeah, I mean, people will, if, if they've read it, they will have seen. But it definitely, I even started writing the book before all of the shit, like, happened with, like, where, like, the, the shit that, like, really hits the fan in that mm-hmm. chapter before that happened. And so I literally started the chapter being like, well, didn't think I was going to write this one. And I was like, well... At least the, as it was happening, my best friend kept being like, well, like, at least you're writing a book. Like, put <laughs> it in the book. And yeah, I was like, there's
0: like, uh, there's almost like a rationalization for a trauma experience because now it can become a creative content for you.
1: Yes. No, that's how my mind went. I was like, OK, cool. Like, let's actually like get some fucking use out of this shitty uh-huh. stuff. <laughs> totally. Um, do you have a favorite
0: part of the book would you say it's that part or is there something else that sticks out to you
1: so I think that, I mean, I think the one that I had the most fun writing, because mm-hmm. um, I like to write. I just yeah. also hate it, you know, like, oh, it's yeah, like- the,
0: the physicality of sitting down and
1: and like singularly
0: focusing on writing, because I think we're similar in that, like, I have to be doing mm-hmm. multiple things at once or I like I feel strange or non productive. and writing. You can't you can't do that.
1: No, and then you would write like five pages that go, well, that sucks, but I'm in the groove now. So I'm going to delete right. all of that and then like start this chapter again. Yeah. So, but so I would say the one that was the most fun for me to write is I have a chapter called My Date with a GDI and it's like the worst date ever. And if you, did you go to a school with sororities and fraternities? College? Uh,
0: yes, but it was such, it was such small potatoes that it was like the, <laughs> it was like the generic version of yeah. of sororities and fraternities.
1: So we used to call the people who weren't affiliated in sororities and fraternities, GDIs, goddamn independents. Oh. And so he was like the GDI I went on a date with. And that was probably the most fun for me to write. Because like you were saying, those experiences, we were like, I need to like, it feels like that whole fucking story feels like when you eat shit and nobody else sees. And you're yeah. like- I needed somebody else to see this. (laughs) Like, this is so embarrassing and so bad. And like, you're like laughing and kind of crying, but you're like, I I need someone else in this with me. Uh That's what that whole experience, like Uh in that whole date felt like. Uh, and I just remember, like, that whole night being like, w- I, what? Like, I, what? And so it <laughs> felt really nice to kind of write about it. And I didn't mm-hmm. know if anybody else would have that feeling because it's kind of like, a, oh, did you have to be there? Like, is it that interesting? But I would say out of all of the chapters that aren't like the more like emotional ones that people have been relating to like everybody's been like dude that fucking one like fuck that Nathan dude like that's <laughs> insane and I was like okay cool so like it was fucking insane so did, that's probably my favorite
0: oh that's so exciting um and and obviously very uh makes me want to read it immediately <laughs> did you have to awkwardly get permissions from people that you were mentioning in the
1: book so the first draft that I wrote, I wrote everyone's real names just because like it's so much easier for me to, to keep, keep track. It straight. Of. Yeah. And so now my friends will like reference like certain or like even like 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 uh, people who've read it will reference certain characters. I'm like I have no idea who you're talking about. Like I changed <laughs> all of the names. Like that was the last yeah. thing that I did. So I'm like I don't know who that is. So I made a master list on my phone and I sent nice. it to all of like my home friends so they could like keep track. Um but the only people whose names I use their real names i used a couple of kids from high school i used one kid from high school as first and last name just because like he's got he's a firsty lasty oh, and, okay. he o- <laughs> and he only gets like two shout outs but they're both like funny that i'm saying his full name right and it's all positive so i like asked him and he was like oh for sure i'll buy the book and then the my best friend sydney her name is her name and then my best friend, uh, one of my other best friends, his twin brother, him and I dated when we were in seventh grade. And I asked him, we don't talk anymore because, you know, rough breakup, seventh grade. And I, like, asked his twin, who's my best friend, to ask him. And he was like, yeah, as long (laughs) as it's not defamatory. And I was like, what does he think I'm going to say about him? (laughs) Like, he doesn't even have a whole chapter. He has, like, a small reference. But I wanted to keep, like, if I could keep, like, any little references of real people's names, like, that's more, like, Easter egg for me. Sure. But there's only... Probably only five names that are real, and then everybody else I changed because I mean you don't have to technically. You right, can but like, you have to like
0: legally get permission from everyone. I don't think, you
1: don't even have. It's just to be nice. You just get, oh, you have really? to give them a heads up. Yeah. Oh,
0: I thought you had to legally get permission in case they could sue you if they found something
1: like you said defamatory. So it's. I've learned a lot about defamatory cases um, leading up to my book. Um, oh, wonderful there's it's there's really no money in a defamatory case and so the only time that you actually sue for defamation is like if you're a celebrity or an actor and you mm. sue a, a publication for printing something wrong and then you can prove you lost out on a job because of said article gotcha. Gotcha. so it's not but I also was just like I love confrontation but like I don't want anyone who's in the book in a negative light to be like hello and I'm like Ugh. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it creates a story for
0: the second book. Exactly. Perfect. Um, Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I have to ask you all about this journey of your channel being hacked (gasps) because I think there's probably a lot for people that um, are content creators and want to be content creators to learn from your experience, which is the theme learning through Megan's experiences. Yay. (laughs) Okay. We'll be right back with more Not Too Deep.
1: Too deep. What's Grace Hebeck
0: Let's talk about the your channel. um. Because I feel like you're just a person that loves to go on journeys like this. I should go on The Bachelor. I know, right? I feel like you should have like such uh, travel miles because you've been on so many journeys. This this whole catastrophe debacle with the hacking of your channel, um, for people that don't know about this, can you explain a little bit or as much as you want yeah. about this?
1: So, I don't even I think it was last fucking October. Um, I had gotten a an attempt to hack my main channel, mm-hmm. and I am not confident about a lot of things, but I'm very confident about my um security and also about uh, my internet sleuthing abilities. Yeah, so I was able to, like, get that person out. They, they uh, unsuccessfully got into my, didn't get into my, they they were unsuccessful in getting into my channel. Okay. And um, then I started to, I filed a claim with YouTube just to make sure, even Mm. though they never got in, you're taking my, all the right precautions. Uh huh. Oh, I'm like, all about precautions. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And my videos were just like suddenly they were uploaded, but you couldn't see them on my channel. And so it was like a very mm-hmm. obvious, seemed like a really easy thing to me that I was like, I mean, like all of my brand, like my channel artwork is still there, everything's still there. Like you can search my videos, but they're just like not on my showing up on my channel. So like mm-hmm. that feels weird. You can get to it from a direct link. Um, thought it was gonna be really simple and like fixed really quickly and took like a month or so for lots of like, no, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. And like, well, we see, don't see what you're talking about. Yeah. This is a crazy
0: thing because I think a lot of people that obviously haven't had any difficulties with YouTube and see it as this completely fully functional platform. This is really important for people to hear because you're not new to this platform. You've been using mm-hmm. it for like how many years Ten at this years. point, 10 Eleven. years at this point. And you've provided a lot in terms of, you know, um, for the content, uh, for the platform um, on behalf of just being an independent content creator and the immediate inability for them to um, hear and recognize a problem with you is so important for people to hear about, because I think a lot of people still live in this blissful ignorance that the platform is perfect.
1: Yeah. And I think I was definitely guilty of, I will fully admit that I know, I think I knew that the platform wasn't perfect, but like kind of in that asshole way of like, well, that, that wouldn't necessarily apply to me because like, I, I have like a manager, I have agents, I have access that I can kind of surpass the system that's built there. And I understand that like, you can't deal like a platform that's that big. They can't deal with every single complaint of every single channel. I'm like, they're going to invest their time in the ones that are making them money. Is that the, like, if we're talking about like the greatest morals like in the world, no, but like also they're a profitable business. And so then I was like, wait, so if this is what's happening to me, what is happening to the channels in my mind that I thought would be getting the treatment that I was getting? Not that I thought I deserved it again, but just more along the lines, thinking of it like a business. Well, you also have never, you had never had to really think about this. The same for me is
0: that I have a lot of content creator friends that are very involved in the reform that needs to happen on the YouTube platform. And I am, you know, for better or worse, mostly worse, not As active in that arena because I've never firsthand had to deal with this kind of shit. Mm -hmm. And so once you're faced with this, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm knocking at the door and I can see someone's home, and no one's coming to the door. What's going on? Yeah, that you're like seeing them close their curtains and you're (laughs) like, I know you're home. What's going on?
1: It's literally the exact, exact feeling that I had. And it was one of those things where everything just kept getting worse. And I kept giving them the benefit of the doubt because like they're this massive company and Mm -hmm. like they'll figure they've got it figured out. I'm not going to question their process because like I'm not a coder. I like don't know how this kind of stuff works. Um, and, uh, really what I've learned over the course of my life is like, I definitely am glad I dropped out of college. Cause I think I could have any job that I want. Like I, inter- like, I'm like, I could be a editor, I could be a publisher and I uh-huh. could, uh, do that. But yeah, it was, it was a wild journey that I don't even, th- I have like Lily, Lily Marston to thank right. for so much of it because, because she was on the outside, she was like, she was being like um, Claire Danes from Homeland and putting all of the little strings together Uh where I was very living in it. So I wasn't kind of seeing the bigger picture or seeing how ridiculous it was. And she was talking to her other friends who were creators and all of this kind of stuff. And she was the one who was like, dude, this is something, and this is something so much bigger than you. This is something that's like, you have to make a video about this. This is not normal. Like this is so crazy and so bad. And it it like- and, and we didn't even I didn't even research or go through the emails or make a timeline or do anything until the day that I filmed part one. And like I'm so heated in part one, and that's because yeah. I just realized that, like, how fucking crazy it all was. I was like, oh my God, like actually, how actually I not noticed? I'm very mad about this. <laughs> yes, I went from being like they've got it to be like they clearly do not have it. They yeah. do not have this covered at all.
0: uh-huh, and that's a, uh, that's such a strange feeling to be like this thing that I kind of didn't realize I was blindly trusting doesn't work for me and uh, my only option is to scream out loud about it and let people know what's going on mm-hmm. and so so Lily helped you make this video that like explained um, very openly to people what was going on which I think is great because yeah what are your options at that point? Mm-hmm. No, I was
1: I was completely lost at what to do. And so, what happened after that? So after the first video went out, um, then that was also when and a lot of other like YouTubers were retweeting because I think it like like you said it's really fucking scary. Like it's like Gigi Hadid get in on this. (laughs) Yeah, so that's when you know you
0: fucked up when a Hadid goes, "What's happening over here?"
1: (laughs) So she DM'd me and she's followed me she watched my nose job series. And so, Uh and I've met her before. She's so nice, very sweet. Um, and she DM'd me and she has a contact at YouTube, which her contact at YouTube, not going to say who her contact at YouTube is explicitly, but it is someone who this is like, so, so, so below their pay grade. Like they Uh like, they like really, I was like, Oh God, are you sure? And they gave me their like personal, like phone number and email address to then contact them. And, they were like completely floored and all of that stuff too. But I think the stuff that was the craziest to me was what happened between part one and like part two was that I thought part, I thought we didn't need a part one. Like, I I mean, I thought part one was going to be it. Like I thought I make this video, it all gets figured out. And then it became even worse. And it became like even more silence and even more like, not about any of that stuff so it was it was I oh god I remember I had so many auditions that like same week and they just like kept being like hey we can get on a phone call in five minutes I'm like I can't get on a phone call in five minutes <laughs> <laughs> and it was like I was I literally need Botox from it uh, it was so stressful
0: wait so what happened in between were they reaching out trying to rectify or were
1: they still ignoring the problem so um it was a lot of it, it was a lot of like, I, they, I, someone had reached out eventually, but I was still emailing them. like, And then mm-hmm. finally, someone then responded like a couple of days after the video was up. And it was a lot of me chasing them down to have mm-hmm. a conversation. And mm-hmm. it was a lot of, those are great questions. We have a conversation, have a phone call, and then we'll get back to you tomorrow. Then not getting back to me tomorrow. Not the next day. Not the next day. And then me emailing every single day and nothing. It felt like it was moving slower than before. Jeez. Um, And then I got Shane texted. It literally, it, it starts and ends with Shane. And then yeah. Shane texted Lily. And Shane has a contact at YouTube who all of, I mean, all of YouTube saw my video. They, wow all had seen it and I was like well they
0: have to at that point because it's like it might seem trivial or frivolous or like you know self-centered in some way and superficial to be like what about me and my channel Mm -hmm. but the broader issue is that if this smaller thing doesn't get rectified how can this potentially steamroll into really harmful shit on the platform that becomes impossible for them to rectify because they only have so much means of doing so
1: no exactly like it just made me feel like oh shit like what else is happening like what the hell like what else is gonna happen yeah um but Shane's YouTube contact wanted to like speak to me directly and we talked and they were like I was like, why haven't I spoken to you since the beginning? Like, you make so much sense. You are smart. And like you're being like, hey, we like hella fucked up. And I was like, thank yeah. you. That's all I needed. That's literally all uh, I needed. I'm not crazy. You guys acknowledge <laughs> this. Thank you. That's like what all I really, really wanted. And I got a lot of heat uh from my from like the third video that I did, where it was like the conclusion that was like, mm-hmm. I'm not getting my videos back. It sucked. I got some explanations. I got some explanations about stuff that I have to remain confidential about, but it's not helpful to like any other creator. It's more, what specifically went wrong in my case and they're fixing it. But if I say what exactly went wrong, it can happen, like if I'm giving someone the blueprints to do it again and they're working on it. And is that blind trust? Sure, but do I have to have blind trust? Otherwise I will literally go insane. Yeah. yeah. And I think people like the pylon of like cancel, expose. Mm-hmm. And I am all about like doing your research, deep diving, internet sleuthing and all of that sort of stuff. But it gets to a certain point where when you're just consuming that as entertainment and you're being like, you have to sue, you have to sue. And I'm like, mm-hmm. would you just like to Google how much it would cost yeah, to yeah, sue a yeah. billion dollar company? That's like Google. Like uh-huh. think about like, there isn't Nobody is going to feel like it's on a movie. And I think people kind of want that, like, come up. It's like moment. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. life's just not like that sometimes. And like you get tired, like you get tired when you're that angry all of the time. Oh, exactly.
0: And it's like you have to at some point see the realistic, see the reality of it versus the movie version Mm -hmm. of it and say, what's like the cost benefit here to you know, make this more dramatic or is this, you know, the best solution for me at Mm -hmm. this point? Um, But I think that's I mean, you're always that it's crazy, right? You're no matter what you do, you're damned if you do damned if you don't putting anything out there. People are going to be upset with how you handle or Mm -hmm. present anything all the time. Um, And sometimes it just makes you want to crawl in a hole and not do anything. What fun. (laughs) Um, we were also talking about your podcast. Don't blame me which you guys have apparently, Melissa, found out right before that you're, you've done 125 episodes.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, isn't that what nuts? The hell? That's insane. It's really crazy.
0: Is there something or some things that you've learned the most over how many years have you guys been doing this? A few years? Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, a few years. I've learned a lot, which is wild because I don't think I really even think about it in that sense of like, oh, what have I like learned from the podcast? But when I was doing edits of my book, like the last round of edits, I was Mm -hmm. recognizing that a lot of like the things I was updating or kind of like refining were things that I kind of learned through the podcast. And I was like, oh, wow, this is better than school. This is sweet. Um, Yeah. I think something that's, I don't know. I think one thing that has changed, a not necessarily changed a lot, but I think I'm like more aware of how I say things to like Mm. be constructive and not not, like not try. I mean, I don't try to hurt someone's feelings, but I like think of myself, like I'm very, very blunt. And Mm -hmm. I am like the friend that you come to when you want, you're not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to be honest with you, but I think I've like learned how to be, more constructive in that and kind of recognize. I also usually really like when our callers will let us know if they are a water sign, specifically if they are a cancer or a Pisces. So I know I can be easy on them. Um, <laughs> and like, or they'll be like, I'm PMSing. I'm like, great, cool. I needed to know that because yeah. like, they're like, please just like be nice to me. I'm like, that's fine. Like I, as long as you let me know ahead of time, uh-huh. but Any other, like, I think there's just a lot of, like, relationship stuff, too. Like, the more that a a huge majority of the conversations and, like, advice questions that we'll get will pertain to relationships. And I think that I'm learning a lot more about other people's lives that are, like, in other walks of life that are different than my own and different than, like, the things that my friends experience. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's interesting, too, because then we don't know necessarily what life experiences we have coming up. So like we've right. done episodes of the podcast where we've given advice and then like it happens in my life or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, so am I going like, to take my own advice or am I going to like not? <laughs> so what's going to happen there? Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool too because we have people will, they'll call back in and give us updates or oh, that's and, cool. And then we get to see like their kind of growth too. And I think, if it's been like a long period of time too, we can kind of see it differently and then be like, oh, wow, this did work out how we thought or it didn't work out. Uh-huh. But it's that and then also that majority of um, men are trash is the other thing that I've learned. Wow. Some of these girls have the fucking work. They date the- they date some shitty dudes. Ugh. Some shitty, shitty dudes.
0: Well, I mean, the good thing is to not you no longer have the assumption you have the actual proof of uh the potential shittiness of men (laughs) and the experiences and how they've unfolded to be able to back up that um that said you and Melissa have been working together for uh, a while now do you think that you guys would succeed on the amazing race
1: (gasps) Wow, that is a very good question. I think <laughs> we would if I was given um a new stomach and new legs. Okay. But I think Melissa has everything that it takes to be on the Amazing Race. Oh, yeah. I feel I, like Melissa would you would succeed regardless of partner. She you could wouldn't... do it alone. <laughs> yeah. She could fully do I I think that my only hold up is I definitely would hold her back and drag her down. <laughs> so I think if I got a stomach transplant and then new legs so I could like run and uh, um have better knees and ankles, I think I would be a good, a good candidate.
0: Nice. Are there any reality shows that in the in the legs that you have now and with the stomach you have now that you think you would thrive in?
1: Oh, The Bachelor. The bachelor. And and I, <laughs> I, I like, asked Mots multiple times, I'm like, would you let me go on? And he was like, well, they would know you're fucking with them. But he has fully he's like, no, you t-. like I think I would crush it. Like uh, I what think- would be
0: your first of all, what would be your entrance? Have you thought oh. about how you would introduce yourself to The Bachelor?
1: I think my entrance would be, it wouldn't be sexual because like those, right. they just don't, if if they, like the producers give you a sexual one, they're like, they're going to put like that, like wah, wah music uh-huh. in the background and like, you're, they're making fun of you. Yeah. So I think I would either do something like, I would either do something like really simple or give them, I think I'd probably like give them a little thing. Like, look at this, like mm, this little token, stupid and shit, is right. related to like the tagline of your season. Like, ah, like, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I would just be the whole thing that I, and I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm revealing what I think the secret is, is that like, I, these in the show in general, it's everybody's like fighting for, and this specifically for the bachelor. Cause I think the mm-hmm. bachelorette's totally different because okay. I think women are really great at like, you know, sifting out and picking the dudes that they like, but the yes. other for the bachelor, it's the, my whole tactic would be make him want to date me as opposed uh-huh. to like Oh, I really want to date you. And Mm. the ones who do the best are the girls that like make them work for it, but in a really like not an obvious way, not like a, you have to like, no, you have to like come over here. And it's like, stop it. Like we see, we see through that. It would be like the, I'm not like other girls, but I would never say that because that is a telltale sign. You are like the other girls. Yep, yep, And there's yep. nothing wrong with the other girls. <laughs> and so I would just really come at it from like the, like, oh my God, my friend signed me up. Like, I don't know, like, who knows, whatever. But uh, to be fair, that tactic is very much like Kelly from Peter's season. And mm. then Kelly got sent home. But that's also because Peter, Peter is like Caillou. He's like a giant baby, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, there seems to be some mommy issues going there. I didn't watch his season because it seemed a little from the get go, a little like, I don't think this is right. I don't think he's like got all the emotional tools in his emotional toolbox to make a decision that I as an adult could get behind.
1: You should watch his
0: TikTok. Oh, he's
1: got a TikTok. He's got a TikTok. Is he good at it? Um, if the goal is laughter, he's fantastic. Oh, great. I'm oh, wonderful. Die. But I'm also like, I loved Mike from whose season was that? Hannah B. I loved Mike. He was like so sweet. He's like, he's like wanted my like my queen, like all about that. Oh, and yeah. then I also like every, every person, every, whatever you are, anybody would fuck Tyler Cameron. And that was my <laughs> other like sir yes sir you can respect me any day wow I'm I'm here to help you with your I like. I'll respect your boundaries and I'm like please don't respect my boundaries (laughs) I have no boundaries with you wow
0: well he's playing the game I think that you've described for yourself that like Mm -hmm. make make someone else want to uh pursue you there's that sense of like aloofness That like quiet confidence of like, I don't need to be all over you and I don't need to be paranoid in this situation that puts people, um, that makes people uneasy when Mm -hmm. you're just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm not dramatic. I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly who I am. And, um. I'll get ahead of the way that they potentially want to edit me. It'll be exactly.
1: great. <laughs> but it has to be, you have to do that for a bachelor who's confident. It yeah. can't be like a bachelor who's like, no, I, I, I need, I need the attention and like the reassurance. Yeah. Then I would be like, I'm sending myself home. No, exactly.
0: I want to be the person <laughs> that would meet him right away and go, yeah, no, <laughs> not for me. But thank you. It's so nice to be here. I'm gonna have a couple drinks and then I'm probably gonna head out. But like, right? have a good night. Uh, <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy your journey. Um, baking, baking. You've uh, this whole other side of you that is, um, you, you know, it it it's all it falls under the Megan umbrella, but it feels like a little bit of a divergent side um, from
1: all of the self help. Uh, stuff baking is a major hobby for you it is I refer to my brand as um mommy blogger without a child that's great because I that's what I'm like I started to come up with potential shows to
0: pitch you um and one of it. this is all very very in the beginning stages of Of ideas is called prove it where it's like you proving (laughs) bread but like, while it's proving you bring on an expert to come and prove some sort of like socioeconomic injustice and how it's, people can help. <laughs> can it be me and Bill Nye? Uh, I think that'd be great. I mean, that, that's a collab that and everyone Al wants to Gore.
1: <gasps> oh my sure. God.
0: That's a trio. <laughs> there you go. Uh, for you, what is, ba- why, how did you find yourself into this world so much? Because it feels so much more like the the podcast and the book, You're. it's almost like, a controlled messiness you mm-hmm. know and then baking is very precise that is it just like a different side of your brain that needs that thing kind of fed
1: it's also a controlled messiness but it mm. feeds into it's like me doing my new hobbyist puzzles and Ooh, yeah. it feeds into my or it's not feeds into but it caters really well to like my ADHD brain mm. so it is a lot of oh, I can't necessarily mess this up. And it has, I have to be precise and I have to really think about it. And that's something that I'm not, like, I am not like that. Like, I am an elephant in a china shop. Like, <laughs> I am not delicate. I've, I've never been delicate. I've never been dainty. Like, I am mm-hmm. just kind of a tornado. Right. And baking is something that forces me to not be that. Like, I'm a type A tornado though, too. So it's kind of like, I'm upset. I'm like, blah, blah, but like in a very messy way, controlled uh-huh. mess. Yeah. But I got into it when I was in... I mean, I always loved watching the Food Network. Like that was like my like guilty, I mean, not even guilty. I in a garden is my queen. Yeah. Obsessed for so long. And then in college when I like had no friends, I was making like dinner and like cooking for myself alone. And so it was a lot more like, oh, scrolling through Pinterest, finding Mm. recipes. And then the more that I just kind of, like, lived alone and had to cook for myself, um, I realized that, like, you know, savory food is, like, it's not that pretty and, like, it's not really (laughs) cute and, like, not as fun. Uh And it also is. You can kind of, like, throw it all around and who really cares. And then I got more into baking shows and then just got really into baking. I think I was always fascinated by it. Like, I loved going to pastry shops as a kid and just, like, looking Mm. at how pretty everything was. Yes. Um, So I definitely... Like it from like an aesthetic standpoint of like this is fun and pretty. Yeah, it's it's all the
0: benefits of cooking with the added focus and emphasis on aesthetic.
1: Mm -hmm. And Uh, I love an aesthetic.
0: Of course, look at your Instagram. Uh The uh, have you ever thought about opening a bakery?
1: I think that I would be. I think it'd be like fun to do like a like a temporary pop. I mean, in my dream, I would open like in a Nancy Myers movie, like I am yeah. Diane Keaton, and it's just like beautiful <laughs> and it looks like restoration hardware. Uh-huh. And I'm there with my turtleneck and like my burlap apron. Like yes. I love that image. Um, I've also heard like the restaurant business and like is like very intense, but maybe yeah. bakeries would be less intense. I think I would be, I think I would honestly thrive running, like, a bakery in Napa, like, or, mm. like, the Hamptons. Like, I could just become Ina. Uh-huh. I would enjoy that. But that's what I see. Like, I don't see myself doing it. I only see myself doing it with, like, white hair. Like, I only yeah. see it as, like, a <laughs> kind elderly lady. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I, wanna, yeah. I don't want to be like, the what's that, like, 20, 30-year-old doing in this bakery? Like, I want, like, oh, that sweet older woman. I wonder <laughs> how her children are doing in college. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Like, I want to
1: look wholesome as hell. I think you can get there. Um, okay, we're gonna
0: take one last break, uh, and then we'll wrap it up here on Not Too Deep. We'll be right back.
1: Not. Not. Not, 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 not too deep. What's crazy?
0: Well, we're getting towards the end of the podcast, Megan, and I'm going to ask you the two questions that you've answered before on the podcast that every guest gets to answer. And the first is who are alive or dead, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at or just
1: spaghetti? It can be warm right now. That is such a loaded question because like the names off the top of my head, there are so many. It's a Rolodex. Yeah. I would probably say, I don't know. I've been thinking about Condoleezza Rice a lot. And I just, like, I just, I wonder how she'd react. Mm, yeah, I don't know that we've had that answer yet. So that's a new she, one for us. She's been on my mind for literally no reason. Like, she's just yeah. a name that keeps popping into my head. So I would be, I would just be, I I think I'd be more along the lines of, like, I want to know what she's doing. And then the spaghetti is a vehicle to, like, yeah. you know. See where she's at in her life, like to start a conversation (laughs)
0: exactly. (laughs) Okay, the other question is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or a close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. So mine is college, jogging, Jogging front lawn, front lawn. Yeah, I remember, I I gotta get an updated one. (laughs) There have been so many, I don't know why I just repress them so quickly now.
1: (laughs) Um, to be honest, I don't know if I've had any other like recent ones. Um, well, I also have IBS, so, like, I know the signs before they happen, and I'm like, let's get to this bathroom. Probably close call would be, I think maybe I did this the last time, traffic, nail salon, Mm. close call. Love it.
0: Love it, love it, love it. Uh, I also love that your boyfriend's getting stuff out of the fridge in the background.
1: (laughs) Hey, babe, I'm recording. (laughs) What's up? I know, we can just see you. He's so perfectly in frame right over your
0: shoulder. It's great. <laughs> I wanted to see how long that was gonna go on for. Um, Megan, thank you for coming back and talking to us about all the new updates in your world. It's very exciting. Usually in person, we provide our guests a gift, a personalized fortune cookie, but now we are doing some digital fortune cookies. So I believe Melissa has sent you if you'd like yes. to read your personal
1: fortune cookie out loud. Let's see. My really secure, really fast Wi Fi. I mean, the Wi Fi is secure. And then we find out that you've just been hacked 17 times because we've talked about it in this podcast. Oh my God. I'm like, is this like karma what I'm finally <laughs> getting? Okay. Um, fortune cookie. I'm opening. He's literally breaking down boxes. He's I putting love groceries it. away. I love okay. it. Okay. <gasps> Humans are the only animal whose brains shrink, but we have a feeling you already knew that. Wow. Is that yeah. true? It was written down,
0: so it must be true. That's and, how it works. And the way that all of us operate now, no use in doing our own research to find out facts for
1: ourselves. Honestly, <laughs> fake news. Did fake you know news. that um, you should use this for another episode, but that... um kangaroos I think the male kangaroos have like three penises and the, the female kangaroos have like two vaginas or something yeah like that.
0: I've heard something like that I also recently found out that koalas um will sometimes the females will make it like have orgies and they Ooh. last longer than male female sexual intercourse yeah well crazy. I mean checks nature's, out nature's nature's crazy Megan where can it. people listen to the podcast get the book and everything that you're up to if they don't know
1: The podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. We also do video versions on YouTube. If you ever want to see Melissa and I, our faces as I like gasp, being like, (laughs) what's (gasps) happening? And my book is available wherever books are. I did an audio book that is available everywhere, as well as the hardcover and then the Kindle version. But yeah. um, People just have to Google where their country is because uh, the amount of times I've had to explain to people who are in Canada who are like, it's not on Amazon. I'm like, are you on Amazon Canada? And they're like, Ugh. no. Like, okay.
0: Also, the caveat for everyone to have some um, sensitivities about the delivery schedule of everything as of late. Because I know that there were some issues with that because the way the world is right now.
1: Yes. So if, I know a lot of people got, um, in, which I'm flattered, got impatient and either did audiobook and, or like digital one, and then they're like, and then I have the hardcover as a coffee table book. I was like, (laughs) I love it. It's great. The aesthetics
0: make it a perfect decoration Mm -hmm. for your home. Oh, I tried. Love it. Um, Thank you, Megan, for being here. This was so fun. Good luck recording. Thanks for having me. They're recording an episode of Don't Blame Me right after this. So guys, go listen to Don't Blame Me, and um, we'll see you next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye.
1: Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. deep. Not too deep. deep. is Grace Helbig?
0: Not too deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shereen Lani Eunice. Post production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music.